There will be no, there's no coverage of the terrorist attack. None. None. We're, we are going, there are two observations and that's it. And we're moving on because that's all this attack deserves. Number one, uh, I ain't going to large public events. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, not that I ever did. <clears throat> really, I, I loathe large uh, public uh, attended sporting games. I hate large publicly attended events like the State Fair or grand old days, and uh, uh, not that I was ever good at it, I just don't like people, and uh, I suggest you guys do the same. I don't know if you noticed, but the terrorist attacks, you know, the marathons, market plots, uh, what was it, Bastille Day, over in France, mean, you know, you guys, you, you guys got to celebrate your culture, you got to celebrate your culture, and then uh, number two, uh, now that it was a bunch of young little girls, unfortunately, uh, who I, I claim to be totally innocent, totally innocent. Obviously, we're not going to pick on them. But for you mothers that can't wait to suck Muslim dick and diversity dick, and oh my God, diversity, you guys can't wait because you're all said, not all, 70% of you keep voting for a larger state and like the virtue signal. And now, hey, hey, look, it cost you a little bit of something. You you got to pay a price for that, huh? Yeah, how are you feminists thinking about all these un- unfortunately innocent you? I bet you, you feminists are pissed off that you couldn't get to these young girls first to brainwash them to hate Western civilization. The Muslims got them first. God, those dang Muslims. They beat you to the punch to ruin these poor kids' lives. All right, right, that's it. Let's get on to business. Welcome to the Clary Podcast. A division of Aaron Clary, LLC. Brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO And now, your host Captain Capitalism himself The world's only professional asshole Clary. It is the Clary Podcast. Welcome. Uh, nothing much going on. Nothing exciting to report. I mean, there is the news, but in old Cappy Sphere's life, we uh, got back from uh, San Diego, took off for a buddy's uh, Navy retirement, hung out with uh, the San Diego, San Diegan, San Diego whites. We hung out with some peeps down in San Diego, those agents in the field. And it was kind of a boom-a-boom, chumma-chumma, bing-a-ling-a-ling, and then in and out. Beautiful, though. Just beautiful. Sunny. I could see this is the only town. San Francisco, you're too worried about traffic and leftists and bums and catching tuberculosis. L.A., you got nothing but traffic to worry about. And typically, if you're in L.A., you're hanging out with pretentious people. If you are hanging out in L.A., you are likely in your teens or 20s, and you you have not fully vetted out the fake friends in your life, and you're more obsessed about going to the right nightclub or something like that. But San Diego, if you got to go to California, if you must live in California, man, San Diego's nice. Holy cow, was that nice? I uh, Atham looked this up. I uh, did a run along Point Loma. There's basically San Diego. Is there's the city? It's on the mainland. Then there is a peninsula called Point Loma that goes out into the ocean and 
juts south. And then in between that peninsula and San Diego is an island called Coronado Island, which is predominantly uh, the Navy base. Half of it is the Navy base, and the rest is all logic. Oh, you want to talk about perfect? You want to talk about what Americans could achieve or did achieve before you fake, what was it, Ann Sturzinger called millennials uh, junior baby boomers. <laughs> you want to see what it's like pre-fake Americans. Man, go to Coronado Island. It's clean. There's no crime. Don't tell me if there's crime. Oh, there's crime. It's one time I got my car keyed. But you go there and because of the the predominantly Republican, I'd imagine, military presence and the military presence itself. It's just perfect. The sun's shining, birds are chirping, and there's an actual town, Coronado, on that island. And um, I was looking, you come over this big bridge from the mainland to get to Coronado Island, so you kind of get a top-down view of the island. Very tall bridge. Oh, I know why it's so tall, because aircraft carriers have to get through it. And I saw my first aircraft carrier for the first time. Just, just, just cool. You know, I was like being a kid again. Things are new and novel. Like, look, there's three aircraft carriers. Holy crap. People are like, oh, haven't you seen it? I was like, no, we don't live in San, Fr- San Diego. I haven't seen it. Anyway, so we get, you go up out of this big bridge. And off in the distance, I see this, what I, it looks like a large beach house. And it's got red tile, and it's pointed, and uh, uh, kind of like a rotunda promenade up front. And I'm like, is that the the hotel that Some Like It Hot was filmed in? Because Some Like It Hot, that's one of my favorite movies, but it is the GF's favorite movie. She absolutely loves that movie. If you haven't seen it, which Marcus Brown, I know you haven't. If you haven't seen Some Like It Hot, you got to see It's classic. It's Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon. Um... It's a work of fiction, but basically they're two out-of-work musicians during the during the Prohibition Great Great Depression area. And they're in Chicago, and they witness the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Well, then the mafia guys see them, and they got to bump them off, but they magically escape, and they just got to get out of Chicago. And so what Jack, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis do is they... They're trying to find any gig they could take, any gig, and it's snowy and cold. St. Valentine's Day took place on St. Valentine's, so February. And they yeah, get any get any gig. And then they find out through their agent that if they're girls, they could go down to Florida, is how it is in the movie, and play down there for a bunch of rich men. And so they decide to cross-dress. And keep in mind, this is like in the 50s or 40s when this movie came out, but it was filmed in black and white. So it looks like it took place in the 20s because everything was black and white in the 20s. There was no color back then. Uh, so they, they, that's the gig. That's the joke. And then one of the female, uh, the female vocalists in this all-girls band is Marilyn Monroe. And then the hijinks occurs and ensues. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a charming, precious movie. It's just great. And so they go down to Florida. And what ends up happening is the exact same Chicago boss that bumped off all the people in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, is down there as well. And they got to... You just got to see it. So anyway, this uh, this hotel, the Hotel Coronado, is that exact same hotel where they all go down. And uh, I, I don't want to ruin the movie. It's just it's too funny and charming. So we just hung out there for a while at this beautiful hotel. The girlfriend, she's like, hey, we should stay here. 
By the way, she doesn't talk like that. That's just my universal female impersonation. Oh my goodness! Which also happens to be my, my flaming gay impersonation. Most of my gay friends do not talk like that. They talk normal, like normal human beings, because they are. They just happen to like the cock. Uh, so she's like, I wonder we should stay here. And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> this looks... Because it's, it's within... This is, I got the impression Coronado, the town, is like the Beverly Hills of L.A. And I, I say, well, how much? So she's already on the phone looking it up. $469 for one night. I'm like, oh, my God. And uh, she saw it. Well, we should... It's like, look, look, look. Just because we can afford it doesn't mean we should. I'm like, why don't you pay off your house? Why don't we use that as a celebration, you know? That's your reward. You pay off your house... And you can have this reward of staying at the Coronado. And uh, she didn't like that idea. They want it now. Everybody wants it now. Nobody can save up. What do you do? See, what I... If you are a minimalist, you still need some kind of goals in life to kind of incentivize you. So, like, my goal is I'm not going to drink until I pay off my house. You have to have, like, these little goals. Because technically, could I mail it in for the rest of my life? Yes. But that's very boring. You need you need a mission. You need, you need a goal to aim for, even if they're fabricated and you set them up. And so I, I said, okay, I'll allow myself to drink again when I pay off the house. And then I don't know if everybody else has that delayed gratification discipline or or maybe there are so many other goals in their lives that, yeah, you know, I got to go work, I got to go do, and I just want to go and relax one time. Oh, but it was beautiful. All the doors were open. Wind's coming in off the ocean it's it's just perfect sunny and and dry and not humid no mosquitoes so we had ourselves a cocktail then we went down this kind of uh, this atoll this uh key these line of islands that went all the way down to imperial beach at the pay attention by the way we did see athens hometown when you get down south to imperial beach across this swamp you can see tijuana and then uh that's a built-up area i'd never seen it before you can see it nestled into the hills. It's huge. Two, two million people in Tijuana. And so we wave to all of uh, Atham's relatives down there. Uh, but yeah, just bummed and beautiful. Just beautiful. And so we, we stayed with a buddy on Point Loma, which is kind of the nice hipsterish type of town. Uh, you're running along these cliffs looking at the Pacific Ocean. I, we're all talking prime real. We, we lucked out. I lucked out uh, with the fans and friends that I have. Because the other fans I have live in Del Mar, which I guess is where the new money is. Just a, just a shit ton of money was all around. We didn't stay in one dump. Not even one dive. It was all very, very, very nice. <laughs> and and uh, just beautiful. Just beautiful. Traffic, yes, traffic is bad. You get down to some of the beaches over by Point, Point Loma. It's a bunch of... You know, beach, literal beach bums. See these people walking without shoes. One kid's like 25. Like, how are you a bum? You know, like, what, what, do you have the mental disease that makes you one? Are you, have you already committed to this life? You're just not going to work? So you kind of, I knew to stay away from those public beaches, but then you run up Point Loma towards the lighthouse and there's cliffs, and you got to go down these stairs, down the cliffs to get to these beaches. And there's the surfers out there. Oh, I went swimming at Del Mar Beach. Oh, man. I forgot how much I love, uh, when I was a little kid, 
We go to Lake Michigan, and you know, you're a little kid, everything's scaled down by half. So even a four foot wave on Lake Michigan, you know, they put they'd have green flag meaning it was all right to go swim. This is in the eighties. Yellow flag meaning ah be careful. Red flag meaning you really, really, really shouldn't go swimming. Shouldn't. There wasn't no lifeguard there that was gonna watch over you. There wasn't any cop saying, Oh, we're gonna prevent you. They're just saying you shouldn't swim. Now I almost guarantee you that if that red flag is out there, some some Nazi, some some cop ordained by some ordinance, by some uh, do-gooder, soccer mom, trophy wife brigade that had nothing else to do, same, same Nazis that put down prohibition or you know propagated prohibition, they probably passed a law that in this town that I used to swim in by Lake Michigan, you couldn't go swimming no more if it's a red flag. So I'm sure if I went out there, even as an adult, there'd be someone, you can't go swimming, like, yeah, come get me. I can outswim you, pal. So that's just what I fear. But uh, then you go out into the ocean and they got much bigger waves. And oh man, I did body surfing and went so oh, I can, you can see why these uh, surfers surfers are all ripped. They're all ripped and trimmed. Good looking dudes. All those movies you saw in the eighties where the rookie kid comes by and he's got to fight his way into the into the surfing club and like, dude, man, I challenge you to a surf off. And like, there's some Australians because Australians are really cool in the eighties because of Crocodile Dundee. And then there was the girl in the end, and then the, the guy gets the girl in the end. It's the same thing, every ski movie, surf movie in the 80s. It was like, but they were all ripped and felt like that. Yeah, that's, that is true. That's one thing the movie was not fake about. The, those movies were accurate. There is not an obesity problem uh, with, with surfers. A lot of gray hairs, though. I didn't see a lot of younger people, but the gray-haired dudes, still chiseled body. Going out there, who knows? Maybe they were even, you know, starring in the background in these '80s films. The original ones to come up with the word "dude," they might. Maybe I ran into that guy. Maybe I ran into the dude who came up with the concept of the word "dude." Oh, but it was just, just wonderful. And I was in a better mood. I was in a great mood. I already gone to South Dakota. I was already in a great mood. Came back. I'm like, shit. Gotta fly out to San Diego. Gotta just can't sit. Just can't sit. Gotta go. Gotta do. Gotta jump. Uh, but I was very happy we went out there. Just, just beautiful. Absolutely. Sat there, smoked cigars. Ran. Got up. Got coffee real early. Hung out with all the uh, trust fund baby baby boomers. There's like these cute little coffee shops in your Point Loma, and you go there, and they all inherited their. Their daddy's house back when Point Loma was affordable. And there I am. and You, you could just tell. <laughs> you could just... You could tell the leftists. You could tell their leftists and liberals out there. Because we got in on it was Friday. I was like, shouldn't you all be working? I'm the only one I know here who actually earned it. I mean, it looks like you guys just inherited it. What What's going on? But... Uh, Anyway, it is the Clary Podcast. How are you guys doing? Um, we will, we're not talking about that terrorist. I just not. It's not news anymore. Uh, if there is news, it's all the number of sheep that are going to go and do the standard change my Facebook profile to a flag. And they're going, prayers? Are we going to say our prayers? Our prayers? Are, how about our bombs and fucking bullets? How's that? No, we don't want a solution. We just want to masturbate and feel good about ourselves at the expense of other people's deaths. 
That way we can show we care. Uh, yeah, so you know what? I think we will knock out the sponsors here early, but not often. Uh, Praxy.com. Do you have the Praxy app? No? Why don't you get it? It's for free. Doesn't cost you nothing. If you are an expert in your relative field or kind of a micro-internet celebrity or you just happen to be a hot chick and you want to make money off of the thirsty guys, you could get this app, which basically turns your phone into a 1-900 number that you make money on. But it's not just that. If you happen to, like, right now, I'm going to go call a plumber because it's cheaper for me to show, like, okay, the plumbers, it's a $100 minimum call. Like, for them to just come out, it's a $100 minimum service fee, right? Uh, not anymore. That goes away. If you got a computer problem, you got a repair problem, you got an electrical problem, you got some kind of tradesman problem, you just grab your phone, you download the Praxy app, you provide your credit card number because it is a paid service. And then you call up the plumber, and the plumber's like, hey, what's going on? And then you show him with your phone, because it's got a camera on it, like, look, what do, is that something I got to worry about? And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, dude, holy crap. Your sewer pipe's about to burst. You're going to have black water all over your house. Get that fixed ASAP. So that guy makes a little bit of money. You save a ton of money. It can only cost you 15 20 bucks, depending on the price they're charging. So if you, either you're a user or a provider, either or, download the Praxy app. You get it on your phone, go to the iPhone store, or go to the Google Play store, P-R-A-X-E-Y, you can go to Praxy.com, see what it's like. You can visit my site, I don't know really what it does, because it's, you gotta do it over the, don't call me over the computer, for the love of fucking God, guys, don't call me over the computer. Use your phone, it's designed for the phone, okay? It worked great yesterday, I had a client, he called in. He's like, holy shit, you picked up? I'm like, yeah, I want to make money. I charge $2 a minute. Fuck yes, I'm going to I'm gonna pick up the phone at $2 a minute. I'm going to pick up the phone. Who knew? Not in a million years. Hey, Aaron, do you think you're going to be an author, ballroom, dance instructor, 1-900 voice guy? No, I'm going to be an economist. Oh, no, it didn't turn out that way. Anyway... If you want to make a little bit of scratch on the side or you happen to be like me, you, you just want to have access to experts that you could show them and save money, even though at first it sounds like it costs a lot of money, get the Praxy app. RealMarkBaxter.com. Go to RealMarkBaxter.com. If you are sick and tired of listening to the Clary podcast, you want to listen to another Red Pill Manosphereian type of podcaster. Also has his website, right? RealMarkBaxter.com. And then Entrepreneurs in car, uh, Cars, our Canadian counterpart up north north of what the 48th parallel is that it what's the korean parallel is the korean parallel fit the 59th parallel because the, the saying was what back in american history 48 or fight like we want the 48th parallel or we're gonna fight but then what was the parallel out in north and south korea what separates that I used to know back when I was a nerd. Now that I'm like total Mac Daddy, I don't have to know that stuff anymore. Anyway, entrepreneurs in car look him. He look him up on YouTube. He uh, he's in a car. He's an entrepreneur, and he just uh, rambles on, giving advice much like the captain does, except up in Canada. Have you bought your nose hairs trimmers today? If you didn't, you're fucking gay. Go to my Amazon affiliate program. Go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner, click on it, and buy nose hairs trimmers. Why would you buy nose hairs trimmers? Because nose hairs are the most annoying thing once you break the age of 35. You're going to sit there and pull them and yank them out and start wincing in your eye and crying. 
People are going to think you're a pansy. Say, why are you crying? It's like, I'm not. I'm just pulling out my nose hairs. And that just makes it sound even worse. Don't bother with that social awkwardness. Get your nose hairs trimmers for 9 bucks through my Amazon affiliate program. You could get nose hairs trimmers. And in addition to nose hairs trimmers, you could buy pretty much anything else. I get a 7% cut of everything you buy. You don't pay any extra. And that's the best way I can figure out to support the old captain here if you want to support him without donating to Patreon or whatever kind of e-banging or e-pan handling is out there. So if you're going to do any online shopping, first go through my Amazon affiliate program. All you have to do is go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then boom, you just do your shopping. It, it takes you to the Amazon site. Now, you got to log in. You don't have to sign up. You just, you just, it's an extra click. That's all it is so they know that you came from my site. Uh, then we have my books, Reconnaissance Man, The Black Man's Got Out of Poverty, Bachelor Pad Economics, Worthless, that right there. Hey, we got, June's coming up, guys. Worthless Degree Awareness Month. That is coming up. We got to start promoting that prompting. I've been a little bit lazy the past couple of years. But June is when all the kids are graduating. Don't say they've already chosen their college and their degree back when they were juniors. I know that. I know they chose it when they were even younger and dumber than they are now. But we're going to warn them. They're not going to listen anywhere. They're going to go do their first year. And your first year really isn't even a waste because you got to go get all these worthless classes anyway. But in the meantime, worthless is a great graduation gift. Worthless is a great, hey, you finished your freshman year of college gift and now you're realizing it's all lies and bullshit gift. Get worthless. You really want to love somebody. You really want to, sh- you really want to help somebody out. Get them the book Worthless. In the ideal world, starting this next academic year, the 2017-2018 year, there would be no enrollments into the liberal arts and every kid would be majoring in STEM, which of course would ruin the STEM field, but... The people who listen to my show are super intelligent. They're not normies. That's that's the joke I love. You get this. You get this basic bitch, sheeple lemming, just completely normie argument. Well, what if everybody did that? Jeez, uh, you know what? Everybody is too stupid. Seriously, everybody is too stupid and too lazy to follow my advice and take the wisdom that is incorporated and and held within my books. We don't have to worry about every woman hitting the treadmill and becoming hot. We don't have to worry about every guy going to the gym and getting ripped. You should be, we don't have to worry about everybody majoring in STEM. You want, because if that happened, then yes, you're right. Then it would become worthless. Beauty would become worthless. Physique would become worthless. STEM would become worthless. We'd have everybody, but you know what? 90% 90% of the people just don't have it in them. Not because they're not necessarily not smart enough to do it. They're just too lazy. That's a benefit. That's the advantage of being us. That's, a, that's the advantage of being an agent in the field, a lieutenant, or just an average listener to this show. We are in the top 10%. We are better. And I'm not saying that to sell you a kiss your ass. I'm saying it because it's fucking true. We're in the top 10%. We're the 10% club. We want to improve our lives. We want to do better. We do not want to piss away our lives doing stupid, common, normie, average bullshit. We want to have a great life. So get worthless, all right? I, although I will admit this, God, I've never ran into teen. I don't have no kids. But the varmint now is a teenager. My God, what the hell happens to their brains that they become so belligerent and idiotic? Beforehand, they're pretty easy. You could trick them. You could get them to listen to you. 
you can play the other. Eh, I don't know if you're up for this. Oh, no, no. I mean, now with teenager, nothing's exciting. Nothing's interesting. Oh, eh. They all turn into Eeyore. All these depressing, sad, emo. What's the point of life and reason? Still, get the book for these. It's available paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. So even if the kids don't like to read, boom, it's an audiobook. What else we got? Enjoy the Decline, Curse of the High IQ. And then my latest essay, it is not a book, it is an essay. It's a short read. And if you already know about minimalism, you already practice minimalism, you do not need to get this book. If you're still curious about what the old captain did in terms of philosophy, advancing uh, uh, the philosophical understandings and theoretical understandings of retirement, and applying minimalism and the love for your fellow man and incorporating that into retirement planning, you might like this book. I'm just saying it's going to cover some familiar ground that may be unnecessary for you. But if you'd like to see how the captain came about and took some practical applications, crunched the little numbers, and applied it using putting humans first and foremost in your lives and what ramifications that had for retirement, get Poor Richard's Retirement. If you happen to know a baby, but look, baby boomers, this is this is a great book. You get a book called Worthless for your for your younger friends and kids and, and loved ones. And you get Poor Richard's Retirement for baby boomers who don't have enough money for retirement. Actually, I gotta I gotta do some marketing. I gotta do with ARP. ARP. There's some irony. I'm gonna be advertising with one of the most leftist organizations that hates young people. The vampire. <laughs> That's what they are. They're vampires. They want to suck and live off the blood of young people because they didn't save enough. Arp, poor Richard's retirement. For whatever reason, they decided to start tearing up the sidewalks in front of my house. That's all that noise in the background. Oh, I guess I could go downstairs and record in my studio. Maybe that's what I'll do on the second segment. I think that's what I'm going to do. There's just no rest for the wicked. Anyway, uh, so Poor Richard's Retirement, that's out in paperback and Kindle. It will soon be available on audio.com as well. We have other people's book, uh, Frank Servey's book, Uncle Nick, uh, Burning the Midnight and Where Pretty Lies Perish. And then also, hang on the gravel, <coughs> The Bro Next Door in Corporate Land, Surviving Cubicle Warfare, that right there. And Frank, have you gotten... Have you contacted Jim Fear yet about uh, turning these into audiobooks? That would make it so I could actually read these books. Look at it, it's so fucking loud that my glasses are starting to vibrate. <laughs> I want my place in South Dakota removed, far removed, far removed from all these people. Far removed. Uh, then other people's books, uh, Montrose County. Uh, please look that up. That's the, the one about the uh, sniper team in Iraq discovering an assassination plot to kill the president in Montrose County, Colorado, but they can't get that information back to command because the radio is broken. And so an unsuspecting sheriff of the female persuasion, who was an Iraqi vet who's trying to who went to Montrose County to escape it all, now she has a battle coming her way and she doesn't know that it's coming. So that's a kind of thriller suspense book there steve's jerky go to facebook.com slash steve's jerky you can also search it it's titled steve's kitchen if you like jerky get some jerky you get a gallon of it for 150 bucks at steve uh, facebook.com slash steve's jerky 
Ed Lattimore is not caring what other people think is a superpower. Get that book written by a heavyweight boxer who also happens to be an officer in the military, a physicist, and an author, obviously. Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill by Adam Piggott. You can go to his site, pushingrubberdownhill.com. He had a podcast out recently um, about Australia being so lightly populated already that what handful of uh, immigrants and refugees they're getting is already going to, like a third of their population is already foreign-born. <laughs> the good news is, here's the good news, guys. The liberals and the leftists, especially the women, especially the, the women, and and this terrorist attack speaks directly to this, is that their children, they, they, they will pay. They will pay. Because it will be their children that will have their lives ruined. Now, all these swipple white suburbanite soccer moms who are just like, I just so much care about foreigners. You know, they're doing the, who's the gal that married um, Brad Pitt? Angelina Jolie. Let's just, oh, let me show everybody how great I am by adopting African babies. That Don't worry. Don't worry. Unfortunately, the children are innocent, as were the poor victims of this terrorist attack. But there is, there's only one thing worse than being attacked personally, and that is when your children are attacked or destroyed or hurt or harmed. And that is the hell that you think the baby boomers are bad. This is what the junior baby boomers, this is what Gen X are parents, this is what the goody two-shoes, I voted the way I was told, leftist predominantly women who will become mothers. This is what their children will get to live in. Because deep down inside, they know, they know, you know, like, they're laughing nervously because they just don't want to be called racist. And it's more important to them that they are virtue signaling, that they're popular, that there's conformity. And like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we like diversity. Yes, yes, we, yes, we do. And now the worst fears are going to come true when their children are going to pay the price. Eh, kids might get raped or bombed or blown up. Kids are certainly going to grow up in lesser economic growth times than they are today. All the, all the, you think, you think Gen X had a lot of debt to take on from the baby boomers. Just you wait for this latest generation being born. And if you don't think there's jobs today, wait for 20 years to come by. Oh, it's going to be poetic. There's, there's poetic justice, balance and equilibrium and everything. Absolutely everything. Oh, forgot what I was talking about there. Oh, so Adam had this segment about how Australia, a third of their population is already foreign-born. And he's getting out of Dodge. He's going to, going to Europe. I don't much blame him. I know some people who moved to Australia. I was looking at Australia. I'm like, oh, their finances are good. And then the more and more I hear about Australia, the more I'm like, yeah, no. You guys had John Howard. I remember that dude, like, what, 90s, 2000s? You guys had that guy. Things look great. Things were going well. And now you guys can't wait to throw away not only your heritage, not only your history, but you can't wait to enslave yourself to foreigners through your welfare state. See, I, I don't really I don't really much believe in heritage. Because you weren't the dudes that did it. Like, I, I didn't fight the Revolutionary War. I didn't fight World War II. I didn't fight Vietnam. I didn't fight nothing. I, Aaron Clary, have done very little in the grand scheme of my heritage. Right? Same thing on the reverse side. Oh my God, we were slaves. No, you weren't. You were not a slave. You were not oppressed. You were not a chain gang. You were not picking cotton. 
That is in the past. The Armenian genocide. No, you were not genocided. That was over, what was it, 100 years ago? Yeah, about 100 years ago, if I do the math right. This crap where we look back at the past that things happened to our ancestors. You know, oh, we were enslaved. Uh, you know, like the Irish, which I found out I'm not Irish anymore. But the Irish were enslaved by the British. What? Really? I'm going to go back however many, 400, 500 years ago for that? The Catholics were beating up the Protestants. The Protestants were beating up the Catholics. Are we going to go down that road? So I don't really believe in, in, in the heritage. My main complaint is people coming from modern-day different cultures that just want to parasite and live off the welfare system. And our women in these countries at a 70% ratio, I know there's some women that don't do that, voting basically to stab us in our fucking backs so we got to work and pay up extra taxes to pay for these fucking assholes coming in, these literal parasites, veritable economic parasites. Also, the women of our country can feel good about themselves with their virtue signaling in the fields. That's my main complaint about immigration. If, you, if we got rid of the welfare state, you know, come on in. Sink or swim here, baby. The cream rises to the top. We ain't got no welfare system. Then I'd be like, yeah, come on in if you want, sure. You're not getting a penny or a dime. You sink or swim in this country. And then by default, you'd have to be a productive member of society. I'm like, okay, aces in my book. There you go. But then what would the worthless liberal arts majoring hordes of American women do to feel good about themselves? Well, they just have to vote and care about the foreigners and the children. We have to feed the whole world. Otherwise, I'd have to become an accountant or an engineer to feel good about something. I don't want to do that. Okay, so we had a tornado siren. Now they got the jackhammer. They had a truck backing up. The only thing next could be a train, but there aren't any train tracks nearby. That'd be the only thing they could do next. There it is. All right, I'm going to go to my recording studio. Swear to God. Uh, what's left? Um, so you get, get Adam Pickett's stuff, pushingoverdownhill.com. You can visit him there. Uh, Marty Andrade's books on D.B. Cooper and Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse. Go online to Amazon.com. Get D.B. Cooper and Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse. Just look up Marty Andrade. The Glimmervale Chronicles, written by Michael Kingswood. It's the Glimmervale's the first of a five-book series. Uh, I, I He informed me when I was in San Diego. He says, it, it is not for young adults. It's for adults as well. And I'm like, I didn't know fantasy fiction was written for adults. And he almost took umbrage. He almost took a little offense. Well, no, it's for adults. <laughs> so the Glimmervale Chronicles get that. Catholic Economic Subsidiarity, that is the only book out there written for Catholics and Christians who want to fight leftism and socialism encroaching, creeping, and infesting their church. If you are sick and tired of feminists and feminism and socialism and the state encroaching into your religion, if you're sick and tired of politics in general getting into your religion, get the Catholic Economic Subsidiarity, which you can find on Amazon.com. We have Kerry Lutz's uh, Viral Podcasting. If you want to become a, a podcaster, go and look up Viral Podcasting by Kerry Lutz. And then if you want to get whiskey, go to tapwhiskey.com. Tap whiskey, spelled without the E, whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y.com. Uh, that's Rolo Tomasi's outfit, so if you want to throw a little bit of money that way, if you like whiskey, help out Rolo. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? From QZ.com. 
IBM remote work pioneers calling thousands of employees back to the office. Less than a year into her tenure as IBM's chief marketing officer, Michelle Peluso prepared to make an announcement that she knew would excite. <sighs> right off the bat, we'll get, there's some, okay, here, let me finish this and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just, just skis, just skis. And when we look up this Michelle Peluso chick, you're just going to find the modern day, I mean, you thought corporate executive scum were the scum back in the 80s. This is just the lying, this is lying scum version 2.0. That she knew would excite some of her 5,500 new employees, but also inevitably inspire the resignation notices of others. She had already briefed managers and the leaders of small business teams on the news, which had been set in motion before her arrival in September. The rumor, rumor mill had already informed most of other employees. All that was left was to make it official. Quote, it's time for act two. Winning, end quote, read the subject line of Peluso's blog post of the company's intranet. In a video message, Peluso, formerly the CEO of fashion startup Gilt, <laughs> explained, the only recipe I know for it is success. Its ingredients include great people, the right tools, a mission, analysis of results, one more thing. Really creative and inspiring location. All right, right off the bat, this lying cunt, and this is a cunt, this is a cunt, lies, spins, to right to the faces of IBM people who have been accustomed to working, I think, for a decade and a half now from telecommuting from home. Just, just knock it off with the spin. I know you're marketing scum, Ms. Peluso. I know you are destined for that special place in hell reserved for child molesters and people who talk in the theaters. Look it up. But can you at least give the respect for the men and women who actually are smarter than a marketing major, are smarter than the entire marketing department, are the engine, the genuine producers of real value in IBM, and that would be the STEM, the engineer, the IT people, the computer geniuses. Can you at least give them the respect they deserve that they are not fucking sheep and idiots and not lie to their face, trying to make it sound like you're not bending them over, getting the jaws of death, death shoving it in their ass and spreading it as wide as possible so you can go put on a strap on dick and fuck them up their ass. It's one, th look, I'd have an infinite amount more of respect for these people, not just Ms. Peluso. If they would come in and say, look, we're not making the money, we're not making the profitability, we've done some research and studies, and we found that telecommuting is not working, it's not as efficient. We're going to ask you to come back. Part of that is you either come back, and yes, you're going to have to work at the office, or we're unfortunately going to have to lay you off. Just be, just be adult. Just be a fucking adult with these people. But no, they can't do that. They got to lie to these people. And, and it's insulting because it's, it, she's basically saying, I don't think you're smart enough to catch this. I think some pretty words that I use to sell fashion material to stupid broads over in New York that generally don't have the IQ necessary to find out that we're screwing them up the ass. I'm going to use that same crap on IBM's best and brightest. In a video message, Peluso, formerly the... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, despite the upbeat delivery, <laughs> the 
the last point struck many in the marketing department as devastating news. IBM had decided to co-locate, oh, what a nice euphemism, the U.S. marketing department, about 2,600 people, which meant that all teams would now work together shoulder to shoulder from one of six different locations, Atlanta, Raleigh, Austin, Boston, San Francisco, and New York. You changed the deal. You changed, this happened to me one time at Wells Fargo. <clears throat> They, they said, you can, you can come in whenever you want. I say, I, I, and I said, I'm only going to come to work here if you give me 24-7 access to the, uh, to, the, to the office and I get my work done and you leave me the fuck alone. I said it in more polite terms. but they, Well, then I, we got a new boss and this, of course, this MBA-laden fuck. There's the people complaining that you just show up and go whenever you want. Like, yeah, that was that was that was contingent on my employment that you guys would allow me that flexibility. Well, we can't do that anymore because other people. It's like, all right, see you, bye. And this idiot, this moron, was shocked when I delivered my my resignation. And you could you could change the deal, but don't be surprised if these people resign and quit. Employees who worked primarily from home would be required to commute. Employees who worked remotely from an office that was not on the list or an office that was on the list but different than the one to which their teams had been assigned would be required to either move or look for another job. Way to go, IBM. Way to go. Let me guess. Ms. Peluso cares about family work balance. Except when it takes time to, you know, we got to tear up your family and move kids are in school. Fuck it. Fuck your kids. Fuck your family. Fuck your wife. Fuck your husband. Because we're going to work together as a team and a new family. Oh, would be required to either move or look for another job. Similar announcements had already been made in other departments and the move would be, and more would be made in the future. At IBM, which has embraced remote work for decades, a relatively large portion of employees work outside of central hubs. As early as the 1980s, the company had installed remote terminals in several employees' homes. And by 2009, when remote work was still for most a novelty, 40% of IBM's 386,000 global employees already worked at home. The company noted that it had reduced office space by 78 million square feet and saved about 100 million in the U.S. annually as a result. Right there. There's the goal. You save more than you're ever going to pay Miss Tiddly Tits over here. My God. 40%. And you think... Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful if 40% of IBM just said, ah, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> if they learn from the for the financial crisis, you know, everyone tighten their belts. Hey, we're not buying fancy crap. Imagine if you all followed the advice in poor Richard's retirement and bachelor pad economics. You all lived as minimalists. You saved up a little bit of a fuck you money fund. And then this bullshit comes down the pipe. You're like, man, eh, no. No, I'm, I'm an IT guy. I'm a STEM guy. I'm one of that top 10% that listens to the Clary podcast, and I got multiple streams of revenue. I got minimalist budget. I don't need your fucking lip. I don't need your job there, sweetheart. You take your little fucking marketing degree from Wharton. You take your fucking experience in the fashion industry, and you shove it up your ass. You think IBM has problems now? Just wait when you lose 40% of your most productive employees. IBM's marketing department had already acquired small startups, 
without relocating their employees to central IBM offices. By early February, when Peluso made her announcement, it was not uncommon for every member of a small team in her department to dial into conference calls from a different location. Uh, Everyone I know is very upset, says one employee, who, like most interviewed, asked to remain anonymous while discussing an employer. Some workers furiously began looking for new jobs. There we go. Those are the only ones with balls. Those are the only ones with self-respect. Others say they have stopped contributing to long-term projects because they aren't sure whether they'll be around in the future. A theory among some employees is that IBM is using co-location as a downsizing effort. One referred to the collation, co-location move as the massacre. IBM has had many layoffs during the transformation to attempt that has been involved in 19 consecutive quarters of declining sales. All right, now let's, let's do a little bit of math, which I know is Ms. Peluso's problem. She, she doesn't like to do math. Let's do a little bit of math. 19 consecutive quarters of declining stuff. Okay, so 19 uh, divided, was that five? Short of five years? <clears throat> five years. So five years they've had declining, but they've had telecommuting since the 80s. Hmm. So what makes you genius? Now, she does. Miss Peluso does have a degree from Wharton, which is one of the few schools I respect. But I just can't get over the fact she's from, from the fashion industry and that the simple fact that for almost four times the amount of time IBM's been having financial trouble, people have been allowed to telecommuting. It's like, let's say, um, you're doing very well and you eat asparagus. You've been eating asparagus for the past, what, 80s? Past 25, 30, 25 years, let's just say. Let's just assume there's a very few that went in the 80s. Let's just say for the past 25 years, you've been eating asparagus. And for the past five years, you've had uh, a, a propensity to have a, a staph infection. And now they're saying, you can't eat asparagus anymore because that's what's causing the staph infection. You'd be like, wait a minute, I've been eating asparagus for 25 years, and the staph infection thing has only been happening for five years. That is obviously not the cause. We don't care. I have a degree from Wharton. I worked in the fashion industry. Can't even claim that this is the individual that does it. I I just, I am shooting the messenger. I am shooting the messenger, because we don't know for a fact if Miss Peluso is the one that came up with it. I suspect she is. Among other people, I'm sure the CEO also had a say in this. I'm saying there's a team of them, a group of these idiots, these morons that did this. Uh, but the, the, the real issue I have is, is the lies about how, hey, exciting news, team. Right before you have anal sex with your girlfriend, you say, hey, exciting news, dear. Uh, IBM has had layoffs during the transformation attempt that has involved 19 consecutive quarters of declining sales, but executives say the co-location effort aims to achieve something more difficult, a complete revamp of how the company, which has a workforce the size of Cleveland, quite literally works. Have fun. Have fun. Uh, The march back to the office. Is it possible for a company the size of IBM to have the innovation and pace of the best small tech companies, of the best small teams, but have the scale of IBM? Jeff Smith's IBM CIO asked at a conference in 2016. He said this was his goal for IBM to make it agile. Well, forcing people to go and commute and go to an office in a cube, I guess, which don't exist anymore. I guess it's just kind of like this open, you sit at like a desk or a, a bench. You sit on a pew and you have no privacy. 
That's the opposite of agile than letting people work from home. At this, agile describes so many different work systems that it's become an almost meaningless term. Exactly. But it broadly refers to small teams that constantly iterate on projects and use data to make decisions. A feature of Smith's particular agile playbook for IBM was that the leaders have to be with the squads, his words for small teams, and the squads have to be in location. No, they really don't. They, they really don't. I'd look up Jeff Smith, but that's like a very common name. Uh, before the marketing department, IBM's design department, security department, procurement department, large parts of the IT department, and teams that work on Watson, Watson Health, Watson Internet of Things, and cloud development have already been co-located among others. Some of these teams have worked together in offices from the start, while other departments like marketing called employees together for distributed locations. Though not every department at IBM will be co-located, many will. One employee who had been asked by IBM to work from home decades ago while the company... Yeah, this guy's been working there for decades! While the company had been busy cutting down on expensive office space, said he was surprised to receive a mandate to come to the office. Why change the policy now? See, this guy... (laughs) Just say fuck it. Look, working from home is just like having a good boss. It's worth damn well near half your salary. It is. Now, for you wage slaves and debt slaves and wifey slaves and mortgage slaves and Range Rover lease slaves, this is too bad for you. You're going to have to go in because you you didn't read Poor Richard's Retirement. But for the rest of you, oh, please tell me. I just, I want to see next quarter IBM, like Zimbabwe, you know how Robert Mugabe killed and kicked out all the white farmers and confiscated all their lands, and now he's sheepishly asking and begging them to come back? I hope the same thing happens to IBM. I hope they, what we doing and, and I know you guys are going to give Miss Peluso a huge retirement package, just like the other gal who decided, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to get rid of all the, the telecommuting Yahoo's gal, Marissa Meyer. Is it some with women? I don't know. Is it something that you women just, you need control? You just can't let people be? I've seen it in marriages. What's he doing? I don't know. He's probably just having a beer with the guys. All these gals worried that their man's out running around with other women. No, he, dating you and being married to you, the last thing he wants is another woman. He's probably just wants the silence and the serenity and peace and calm of, of a quiet VFW bar. He maybe just wants to play poker and, and shoot pool with the guys. What's he doing? He's having fun. They're having fun. They can't. They gotta be here. I gotta see him. How do I know you're working if I can't see you? <clears throat> uh, remote work at this point has become mainstream. About twenty-five percent of all U.S. employees currently work remotely all or most of the time. Outstanding. See that, baby boomers? Huh? Right now, I'm giving my finger. You can't see I'm giving both fingers to all the baby boomer bosses I've had about working home remote. See that? Looks like Gen X is allowing that to happen. My gosh. It is It is so not sad to see you baby boomer gray hairs leave the workforce. It is so not sad to see you go. It is so not sad to see you vacate the reins of power and control over this economy and the country. And give it to us. I know I know. Gen X is not no World War II generation. But at least we're letting people work from home because the technology allows it. 
think of all the hell everyone had to go through. I can't tell if you're working if I can't see you. Forcing people to commute, park, walk. Make us all sit in that. I the the years, the the decades, the centuries, communally centuries, one of the eons, millennia, wasted with people sitting in commutes because you gray-haired baby boomer fucks can't get your heads out of your ass. About 25% of all U.S. employees work remotely all or most of the time, according to a Gallup poll. Email, chat apps like Slack and video conferencing have moved to the cloud, which makes it easier for remote workers to stay in touch. Research suggests remote workers are more productive and log more hours than employees who work in the office. I know it says research suggests. I, I understand that. I, I'd say the research, whether it's more productive or not, is moot. I say that that people should have the self-respect to say this is the new normal. You know how like 2% growth is the new normal and debt to GDP of over 105% is the new normal? And forking over 40% of your paycheck is the new normal? Yeah, you know what? Working from home is the new normal, you baby boomer fucks. Anyway, no, your way. I just want to, oh, wouldn't that, that be great? A baby boomer boss dies in the middle of uttering that sentence. How can I tell you're working if I can't see? <laughs> It'd be poetic justice. Uh, and for many companies, offering an option to work remotely helps recruit employees who are seeking a better work-life balance or who want to live in a location where the company has no office. Imagine that. But IBM needs more than better productivity right now, as some of its core businesses like technology, service, and system face challenges from cloud-based vendors. The company's strategy has been to reinvent itself around new businesses like artificial intelligence and its old cloud computing operation. Although these businesses are growing quickly and now compromise 41% of revenue, they didn't compensate for losses in other areas of the companies. Well, liquidate those! Huh? Again, I'm no Wharton MBA. I'm not. But if you have... Money-losing divisions, get rid of them. Asshole consulting could so do a lot of good in the corporate world, but again, the corporate world is not about productivity, efficiency, or gains. It is about fads. It really is about fads in the fields. Increasingly more the fields as people like Miss Peluso come in and want to feel good. IBM has been keeping its profitability afloat by unloading offerings with relatively low profit margins, and aggressively cutting costs. At least according to the public markets, hope is on the horizon. The company's stock price rebounded last year after several years of decline. IBM's research and development investments are producing new technology in the process of building lots of cognitive and debt. Changing direction. Oh, here we go. They brought in a professor. Would I be... Here's a guy who's never worked a day in his life. Let's look this guy up. Hang on. Let's look him up. John Sullivan. Oh, he's at San Francisco State University who specializes in HR. Oh, man, we got to look this guy up. I want to see if he has any real-world experience. HR, San Francisco. Uh, John Sullivan. Here we go. John H. Sullivan, Ph.D., has been a professor of management for over 26 years. And looking at his age, he's maybe got 10 years on me. So he's like maybe in his 50s. 
So he has been teaching for since he's been 24, ever so roughly. His specialty is HR strategy and designing world-class HR systems and tools for Fortune 200 firms. He has worked with over 200 different businesses and organizations in more than 30 countries around the world as a speaker or advisor. Hey, guys, get this. He has written a weekly column for ERE. I know I subscribe to them, don't you? For over 11 years, overall, he's written 10 books, dozens of white papers, and over seven. Has he worked in the fucking field? Oh, my God. I was kind of hoping, yeah, he worked here, and he did this, and he did that. All he, all he is, all this guy is, is like the sports uh, analysis guys. They don't play the fucking game. They just analyze it. Well, you see, you got to score more points to win more games. Thank you, Dr. Sullivan. Overall, as you're in 10 books, dozens of white papers, and over 700 articles, he was the chief talent officer for Agilent, the 40,000-plus employee HP spinoff. Okay, how long? He's appeared on CBN, ABC, and CNN, and various political economists. All right, so media loves him. Fast Company called him the Michael Jordan of hiring. He was listed among the 40 most, in, most influential people in HR. <sighs> PhD, 1978, University of Florida. So he had a stint in the private sector one time. I, I want to see. Oh, wait, here, here's his LinkedIn. Maybe, maybe he did work. I'm trying to give him, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to give him like, oh, yeah, he worked 10 years in this thing. He really had a knack for it. No, I don't want to. I'm not going to log into LinkedIn. Where can this fail? Oh, we got to look up this other gal. This Peluso chick. I looked her up. Michelle Peluso. Hang on. Because I looked her up before and. So. Let's look up Fortune. Uh, okay, so Guilt is a fashion website. Okay, so she was the former chief executive of a flash sales site, Guilt, now part of the Hudson Bay Company. All right, so this, she has no STEM or IT experience. Uh, Peluso's ideal leader. She most recently adventured across Papa. Where was her youth? She comes from like a rich dad and wants to start some crusaderist kind of like let's help the children of Africa thing. Oh, come on. Where is her background? Oh, she founded Site 59. Okay. No, that's a travel site. Come on. Where'd we go? I found it somewhere. I love transformative times, the intersection of technology and consumer, building exceptional teams of people, doing good and being the best wife and mother I can be. Border in, strategic advisor, guilt, guilt, global consumer chief marketing and internet officer, Citigroup CEO, Travelocity, co-founder Zeno, Site59, was in Boston Consulting Group. 
Causes Michelle cares about children, civil rights, and social action, economic empowerment, education, politics, poverty alleviation, science, and technology. A master's of philosophy from Oxford, bachelor's of science in economics, finance, and multinational management from Wharton, and she did come from a rich father. No, I just... Oh, you guys got a social justice warrior in your midst. I'm sure... <sighs> I'm sure IBM's problems are all over. Just like Yahoo, right? Yahoo, what was Yahoo? Let's take a look at Yahoo. I was surprised to find out they were profitable. Yahoo Financials. The profits are all over the place. Yahoo Incorporated. Uh, can I just get the financial statements, please? Yahoo Finance. Yahoo Finance. Google, thank you. I don't care about its performance against the index. I want to look at their financials. There it is. Google's got it together. Net income. Oh, ouch. What happened? Three months ending. Oh, we're going that way. Okay. Minus 100 million. Minus half a billion. Third quarter, they made 162 million. Fourth quarter, they made 162 million. And profits going back down for the first quarter of 2017. Back to 99 million. Yep. You guys share... Oh, wait. Is, is it going... Oh, their operating income is negative? What? Are they relying on other income? Oh, look at this. Equity and affiliates. Oh. What's their core? Operating income. Minus 167. Minus half a billion. Minus 52. 64. Minus 60. God almighty. Yep. <clears throat> Making sure people couldn't work from home. Sure worked for Yahoo. I'm sure it's going to work for IBM. But again, again, I didn't go to the Wharton School of Finance. <laughs> All right, let's do another little bit of asshole consulting. Hey, are you with Bain or Boston or McKinsey? You are? Well, you wouldn't like asshole consulting. But if you actually want your fucking problem solved and you don't want to, like, you know, go pay millions, literally millions of dollars, only to lose millions of dollars more, but maybe, you know, if IBM, hey, if it doesn't work out and you want to hire an asshole consultant and get your fucking shit in order... But he curses and swears and he hurts people's feelings. Let's lose another billion in market caps so we can spare people's feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. We destroy feelings at assholeconsulting.com because we care about you, not your feelings. If you got problems and you want them solved, solved, not addressed, solved, go to assholeconsulting.com where America's older brother will give you the swift kick in the ass you desperately need and deserve. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, you may. It's $100 a month. And it gives you a whole bunch of goodies like, you know, extra sales. We're going to go and change the, the Great Act 2.0. And it, No, I'm going to take your money and we're going to hope that when you advertise on my social media platforms, you make more money in return. And I guarantee you and promise you nothing. I do promise you, however, I will not require you to come to an office. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Elkin CPA, speaking of another man who told corporate America to go fuck itself and is now very successfully self-employed, 
CPA, go to Chad Elkin's website, elkincpa.com, if you need an accountant, if you need a CPA, if you need a financial genius or a tax genius to do your taxes. That's elkincpa.com, <clears throat> the League of Extraordinary Podcasters, 405media.com, Obsidian Radio, Financial Survival Network, Kanto Talk, O'Shea Jackson's Vlogcast, although he's now, I think he's got his old site back. He got out of YouTube jail. Uh, who else is left? Uh, BlowMeUpTom.com, the Cynical Libertarian Society, SinLibSoch, and Mitch Berg on 1280 AM, The Patriot. If you want to listen to that old who dang dig league technology called the radio. AcademicComposition.com, if you don't want to do your finals, papers, and homework, have AcademicComposition.com write your papers for you. Alex and his crackpot team of writing staff will put together a good paper and good time as long as you give them enough heads up. If you are a dipshit, He's got a lot of issues with these morons that call like the day of and they want a 12-page paper written. I don't know why he takes them. I don't know why he doesn't take a page from my book and Chad's book. And like the best thing about being self-employed is you get to choose your clients. You get to fire your clients. That's the number one benefit of being self-employed. But they're also doing resumes for $100. So after you have them write your final paper, you can have them put together your resume uh, for $100. He's also looking for writers. And advertisers, people he have under his employ. The jobs are boring. It's marketing. It's writing papers. It's not exciting. It's writing socialist Marxist bullshit. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're looking for money and a job you could do from home, don't work at IBM. Go work for academiccomposition.com. Jimfear138.blogspot.com. That's for all of yous who advertise your books on my site. <clears throat> Go get your book turned into audio by going to jimfear138.blogspot.com. Let them know the captain sent you. Uh, we have gab.aiminds.com if you want to follow me on the social media interwebs. Uh, and then we have Betterment if you are looking to invest in a 401k or, an, uh, or just a 401 I'm sorry, not 401k. Let's get it together, Clary. An IRA. Betterment is IRAs. If you have a 401k offered through your employer, please go ahead and sign up for that. But if you don't and you want to know what brokerage do I use, I recommend Betterment. Go to my site, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Click on the Betterment logo, just kind of like Amazon. Then they know you came for me. And if you fund an account and you open an account, I get a little bit of a commission. Again, it doesn't cost you anything more, but I like Betterment. And that's the place I'm going to go once I pay off my house. Uh, and then we got my two classes, the analysis, evaluation of stocks, and then stocks, bonds, investing. Oh, my. These classes you just look up online. They're offered at hundreds of different places. Take it wherever it's cheapest. So if you want to, hey, what is a 401k? What is an IRA? I don't know this stuff. Take stocks, bonds, investing, oh my. Very introductory, very basic, very hand-holding. And then the analysis, evaluation of stocks. That's for those of you who want to take a little bit more of an advanced class. You like to learn how to read financial statements. You want to learn about accounting. And you want to know what does drive the stock market and value of stocks. These are predominantly taken by older grandpa and grandmotherly type of people. And so there is no politics involved in these things. This is not a discussion board. Be on your best behavior. No cursing, no swearing. You know, imagine if your grandparents were taking it because that's pretty much who is. Uh, but uh, why wait till you're 65 and it's too late? Take it while you're young, while you could do something about it. The two classes, the analysis, evaluation of stocks and stocks, bonds, investing, oh my. Search them on the interwebs. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? From Time Magazine, I do not recommend going to the Time. I opened it up. I'm starting to settle down and read the article. Here it is. 
a little bubble pops up and it looks like it's going to play something. I delete it. I'm like, okay, now I can read. I started recording originally and all of a sudden music starts playing because, well, they're just going to force this advertising down your throat because that's how to sell. Hey, guys, oh, ah, time. Why am, I, why am I even bother going to try and sell time? Asshole consulting services. They won't listen. Anyway, Time Magazine was this kind of like big thing back in the 70s. And the baby boomers read it and they thought it was really cool. And uh, now, what is it, owned by money? Does anyone, is it like Newsweek? Is this just like something that only people see in the uh, dental office? Yeah, you, maybe you pick it up. Oh, hey, what are the old people writing about now as they chew their Metamucil? And they're like, eh, I don't care about that. It's kind of like the ESPN. Like it just, the only reason ESPN is still around is because it's embedded with all the other cable packages. And like, that's just the crap they throw up on, on TV over in the bars. It's kind of like the same thing, like the, the highlights and the, and the Time Magazine and uh, what's the other, Better Homes and Garden. Like nobody reads this crap. The only reason these entities are in business is because dental offices and bars order it as a package. Can't they get something? That's, I'd go to a dentist office. I'd go to a dental office. It was kind of like the swinging bachelor dental office. There'd be cigars and scotch. And then there'd be like, you know, Playboys, you know, as, as part of like, yeah, Playboys, Wall Street Journal. Old issues of The Economist because The New Economist sucks. Almost like a library, a study den, and then, you know, there'd be, the dentist would come in, hello, sir, it's time for, oh, thank you very much. I'd pay some extra for that. Anyway, time.com. Wondering what happened to your class valedictorian? No? Not much research shows. Shocking! What becomes of high school valedictorians? It's what every parent wishes their teenager to be. Mom says study hard and you'll do well, and very often mom is right. But not always. Karen Arnold, a researcher at Boston College, followed 81 high school valedictorians, the salutatorians, from graduation onward to see what becomes of those who lead the academic pack. Of the 95% who went on to graduate for college, their average GPA was 3.6, and by 1994, 60% had received a college, a graduate degree. There was little debate that high school success predicted college success. Yes, it's school. It's school. They're really good at school. But school is not the real world. This is why, despite having what? Okay, they're 13 plus 4. Having almost 20 years of education, millennials go back home and live with their parents in their 30s. You would think with that inordinate amount of training, almost two decades of training, they could do anything, but they can't because school does not prepare you for the real world. I'll say it again. I wish people would get through their heads. School is not there for the children. School is there. First and foremost, as an employment vehicle for our worthless and talentless. That's what school is for. School is there to enrich big education, the teachers, the guidance counselors, the professors, the diversity people, the assistant reserve diversity people, the touchy-feely people, the vice principal, the assistant reserve, break glass in case of emergency vice principal. It's there to employ worthless people who don't want to get real jobs and majored in education or child psychology. That's what it's there for. And when you listen, this is not me being conspiratorial. This is not me trying to be shocking. This is the goddamn motherfucking truth. School is not there for the children. It is to enrich and employ worthless, talentless, lazy people who go and major in education. And the secondary uh, ulterior motive is to brainwash them, the kids, I mean, in leftist political thought. 
That is what, and then, then maybe a distant third is getting around to educate the children. <sighs> of the 95% who went on to graduate from college, their average GPA was 3.9. There was little debate that high school success predicted college success. Nearly 90% are now in professional careers with 40% in the highest tier jobs. What does that mean? Highest paying tier or highest tier? See, I don't trust time. They were all about sucking Jimmy Carter's dick back in the day. That's a president many years ago you millennials don't know anything about. So I, I really am scrutinizing their writing. They're reliable, consistent, and well-adjusted, and by all measures, the majority have good lives. But how many of these number one high school performers go on to change the world, run the world, or impress the world? What is with that? Go live a happy life. What is it your right to go and change the world? I mean, look at the arrogance, hubris, and and tyrannical dictatorship-like thinking. The tyrannical thinking of a 17-year-old says, I want to go and change the world. I want to change lives. I was watching uh, Last Man Standing, where where it just shows you the naivete of even modern-day conservative thought. The wife gets sick and tired of being a geologist, a doctor. Because we wouldn't want to promote women in STEM being successful and productive members of society. Do it. She wants to become a teacher. Teacher. And why does she want to become a teacher? Because I want to change lives. Who the fuck gave you the right to change lives? Who are you to know that their lives aren't already good enough that you're going to change them? What are you, Paul Krugman and Kinsey and Economist? Hey, we want to change the economy. Who gave you the fucking right? What right do you have to come in here and change the world and the lives of the people? I mean, and now on the TV show, the gal is in her 50s, so she does have some, she's in more of a position to say, well, I'd like to change lives. Even them, I'm a little suspicious. But think of the arrogance, hubris, tyranny, and laziness of some 17-year-old fuck. I want to change lives. You're too stupid, and you have zero worldwide experience to know whether or not you should be changing lives change lives i've changed more lives with i'm being deadly serious right now i've changed more motherfucking lives for the good for the good of people with asshole consulting and my books worthless and bachelor pad economics those three things right there alone bachelor pad economics worthless and asshole consulting have changed more kids lives for the good than all of the teachers all of the teachers for the past 50 years Oh, and I'm deadly serious about that. It's not a testament to how great I am. It's a testament to how shitty you people are. Change life. You don't give a shit about these kids. It's a ma- just a little bit of truth. Just one truth is more help and more of beneficial changing of lives than the lives you teachers have ruined. You follow your heart. What do you tell them? What do you tell I mean, is there anything new you're telling them? You're going to tell me, follow your heart and the money will follow? Oh my God, that's so ch- that's so revolutionary. Like, no one's ever said that before. Do you tell them to, do you encourage them to follow and chase their dreams and their passions? Oh my God, you are so changing lives because no one ever told them that before. And they're not already going down that path. Have you told them, no, your dreams are stupid and they're going to turn into nightmares? Has any teacher ever uttered that? Has any teacher ever said, no, you're not going to major in English. That's stupid. You're not going to get a degree. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to... 
Oh, oh, but you guys are all changing lives. All, all could, all spewing the same leftist, touchy-feely, unicorn, job-farting, Obama bullshit. You guys are going to change lives telling them the exact same slop that's been shoved down their throats for 50 years. Let me guess. You're going to, you go, girl. You can have it all. No one's ever said that before. But I bet you, you, with your brilliant, independent, self-thinking mind, came up with that on your own. And now that new philosophy, that new religion, that new uh, axiom, you're going to tell those kids that, right? And that's going to change lives, damn it. Or make a difference. I want to make a difference. Oh, when, when, then they got it. See, there's the then they got it moment. Like, they're, I'm really trying hard to get through to this kid. And then a light went on and he got it. What, he got that 4 plus 4 is 8? Is that the great achievement and advancement? Well, I'm sure you got through to that one kid. And now that's going to change all the problems. That solved the, every, oh, the whole country's problems are gone. You know, you got through to that kid. So that bombing over in Manchester, I guess, didn't happen. Ooh, you changed the life. Somebody understood. You got someone to figure out valence electron configuration or molar conversion in chemistry. I know it's a little bit advanced for you teachers, but talk talk to the, the guy or the gal that teaches chemistry. They'll explain it to you. But you got someone to figure out molar conversions. Oh, shit, that's one out of 300. Hey, good for you. Oh, look, the national debt is still like 110% GDP. But that's a hard one, right? That's hard. That would be, contra- be actually independent thought and controversial thinking, telling kids the truth about their futures. Instead of sucking up to them and telling them lies so they get a fucking good response and a good upgrade. Look, I know, I know as a teacher myself, you got to lie to these kids. I lowered my standards. In, when I used to teach economics, I lowered the standards so every kid would get passed because I know you got to put your foot. But don't, but don't, I, I never took pride in it. I never said like, I'm changing lives. I even told like, no, I'm like giving everyone B pluses at minimum and A's if they kind of like show up all the time <clears throat> and it's all multiple choice tests. I have them create their own tests. And it's just so I could get my fucking paycheck and make it easy and fun for me. But never once did, I'm changing lives. I'm making a difference. I got through to them. Wait, is that it? One or two people a year you get through to and that that's what you take your value? You place your value on that? You think you're a good person? Because you got through to what? In your entire 20-year career of being a teacher, you may have gotten through, what, at most a dozen? But how many got through the net being brainwashed and dumb as fuck and ignorant as fuck about the real world? Because you didn't dare tell them about budgeting, personal finance, the realities of majoring in the liberal arts, the humanity. How many lives did you ruin because you sent them down that path of follow your heart and money will follow? How many poor girls' lives did you ruin indebting them to the tune of $100,000 and therefore crippling them financially for the rest of their life because you just didn't want to tell them the truth. The majoring in political science is bullshit. The majoring in women's studies will lead to a life of ruin and misery. Changing life. See, that's why I hate teachers so much. They're such hypocrites. They're like this Michelle Peluso gal. They're just so hip. They make it seem like they're doing such good, that they're just such moral, noble people because they're helping out children. You guys parasite off of children. You're just vampires. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, there's a legitimate teacher out there. I know. I know a couple. There are good teachers. But you put it on your sleeve. I changed lives. I got through to one. 
I want to make a difference. That's just you being an arrogant, tyrannical fuck saying, I want to control people. And there's, there's something that's precious. Somebody who's never worked in the real world, like this professor we just talked about, thinking that they have the wisdom to tell people how to live their life and change their lives. That's brilliant. People who are 17 years old, no adult experience, no experience whatsoever, never left school, went from K through K, K through uh, K, uh, uh, 12, then college, then master's program, then went right back into education to teach. You never set foot in the real world. And you're going, you have the wisdom and the perspective and experience to tell little children how they should live to change lives. Your lazy, talentless, I'd say arrogant and evil fucks. That's what you are. Anyway, continuing on with valedictorians. Commenting on the success, success trajectories of her students, Karen Arnold said, even though most are strong occupational achievers, the great majority of former high school valedictorians did not appear headed for the very top of adult achievement arenas. And another, well, probably because they actually were smart enough to say, yeah, I just want to be the quiet engineer. It's your social justice warriors and, and emo kids that are like, uh, that claim to be uh, anarcho-communists or anarcho-capitalists. Those are the ones you got to look out who are going to go change lives. The vegan high school kids, those are the ones that want to go change lives. In another interview, Arnold said, valedictorians aren't likely to be future visionaries. They typically settle into the system instead of shaking up. Well, yeah, they're conform. They play by the rules. The 4.0 kid, do you ever have fun with 4.0 kids? Huh? Was it just that these 81 didn't happen to reach the stratosphere? No, research shows that what makes students likely to be impressive in the classroom is the same thing that makes them less likely to be home run hitters outside the classroom. Two different environments. So why are the number ones in high school so rarely the number ones in the real world? There are two reasons. Oh, here, here comes the academic explanation. Let's see if it's anywhere close to the reality that the real world is not school. First, schools reward students who consistently do what they are told. Academic grades correlate only loosely with intelligence. Standardized tests are better at measuring IQ. Grades are, however, an excellent predictor of self-discipline, conscientiousness, and the ability to comply with rules. Obey! In an interview, Arnold said, essentially, we are rewarding conformity and the willingness to go along with the system. All right, there we go. I'd like to have a beer with this lady. Here's a gal that's kick-ass. Kudos to her. Many of the valedictorians admitted to not being the smartest kids in class, just the hardest worker. Others said that it was more an issue of giving teachers what they wanted than actually knowing the material better. <laughs> Well, at least you're smarter than the teachers, kids, which doesn't take much. All you have to do is you put your fingers on your wrist, and if you feel pump, 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 that means you're smarter than your teacher. Most of the students in the study were classified as careerists. They saw their job as getting good grades, not really as learning. Well, boy, that's kind of depressing and sad, but that's what it is. The second reason is that schools reward being a generalist. There is little recognition. Is this, is this Time? Time Magazine wrote this? This does not conform with the Democrat-ordained script. What are you guys doing? The real world, however, does reverse. Arnold, talking about the valedictorian, said, they're extremely well-rounded and successful personally and professionally, but they've never been devoted to a single arena in which they put all their passion. That is not usually a recipe for eminence. If you want to do well in school and you're passionate about math, you need to stop working on it. Make sure you get an A in history, too. This generalist approach doesn't lead to expertise. 
Yet eventually we almost all go on to careers in which one skill is highly rewarded and other skills aren't that are important. Ironically, Arnold found that intellectual students who enjoy learning struggle in high school. They have a passion they want to focus on, are more interested in achieving mastery, and find the structure of school stifling. There we go. Meanwhile, the valedictorians are intensely pragmatic. They follow the rules and prize A's over skills and deep understanding. School has clear rules. Life often does not. When there's no clear path to follow, academic high achievers break down. Shaw Akers? Sean Akers. Research at Harvard shows that college graduates aren't any more predictive of subsequent life success than rolling dice. A study often... A study of over 700 American millionaires showed their average college GPA was a 2.9. Following the rules doesn't create success. There, listen, right there. There is the money shot. Following the rules doesn't create success. It just eliminates extremes, both good and bad. While this is usually good and all but eliminates downside risk, it also frequently eliminates earth-shaking accomplishments. It's like putting a governor on your engine that stops the car from going over 55 you're far less likely to get into a lethal crash, but you won't be setting any land speed records either. My gosh, who wrote this? Um, is this now? Who wrote it? Hang on. <clears throat> this was written by Eric Barker. I- I'm going to plug it. Eric Barker wrote a book, The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Success is Mostly Wrong. Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Eric Barker, well, let's check out this guy. He's got a little tidbit here. Why is he writing for time? Well, there's no bio on Okay, hang on. Let's look him up. That's the problem. When you try to look up the bio, Eric Barker, of these, um, of these journalists, they don't, um, they just show all the other articles that these people wrote. They don't tell you about the individual. Story behind the URNN is here. You can email me here. Well, there's nothing about here. Who are you? I studied Japanese in college because I thought it was cool. What? Really? Let's go to his blog. Boy, if he's going to write like this... Eric Barker. Uh, sorry about this, guys. There's nothing nothing about him. I mean, it's all his articles and work. You could find it LinkedIn. Okay, now i got to log in to see the LinkedIn profile. I don't want to see that. Maybe he's got an author page. Eric Barker. Okay. Looks like a guy my age, maybe a little bit older. Eric Barker's humorous, practical blog, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, presents science-based answers and expert insight on how to be awesome at life. (coughs) Um, Eric. You could tell someone's successful and they don't mention their degree in their bio. Boo-doo-boo-doo-boo-doo-boo. That's about it. Well, shoot, I wish there was a little bit more about this fellow. His books seem to be selling quite well. Awesome. Well, you guys check that out. Barking up the wrong tree. Looks like a good book. All right. 
That's all the cat that's got now. Um, share, like, comment, subscribe, follow me on the social media, all that other stuff. Um, I'm going to be dropping a bunch of articles over at Small Dead Animals. Got to write quality articles. Been wanting to do that. Finish the book essay. And now it's time to get back to brass tacks, back to the boring stuff. So I've got a bunch of new good quality articles coming out this week, and I am not going to be doing any traveling. So if you, Cappy Cap is not coming to town. Cappy Appleseed is not coming to your town and spreading the good words of economics. Not this summer anyway. Everyone can come visit me here over in the WBL. We'll see you guys later. Toodles.